Chapter Three of The Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Three An Unsatisfactory Explanation. Mr. Berwin, cried Lucian, recognizing the man, is it you? Uh, who else should it be? replied Berwin, bending forward to see who had jostled him. Who else should it be, Mr. Denzil? But I, I, I thought, I, I thought, said the barrister, unable to conceal his surprise. Uh, that is, I, I fancied you were indoors. Uh, your fancy was wrong, you see. I am not indoors. Uh, then who is in your house? Berwin shrugged his shoulders. No one, so far as I know. Oh, you are mistaken, sir. There was a light in your room, and I saw the shadows of a man and a woman struggling together, thrown on the blind. People in my house, said Berwin, laying a shaking hand on the arm of Lucian. Impossible. I tell you, it is so. Well, come then, and we will look for them, said Berwin in a tremulous voice. But they have gone by this time. Gone? Yes, said Denzil rapidly. I rang the bell, as I fancied there was some fatal quarrel going on within. At once the light was put out, and as I could attract no one to the door, I suppose the man and woman must have fled. For a moment or so Berwin said nothing, but his grip on Lucian's arm relaxed, and he moved forward a few steps. You must be mistaken, Mr. Denzil, said he in altered tones. There can be no person in my house. I locked the door before I went out, and I have been absent at least two hours. Then I must be mad or dreaming, retorted Lucian, with heat. Oh, we can prove if you are either of the two, sir. Come with me and examine the house for yourself. Pardon me, said Denzil, drawing back. It is none of my business. But I warn you, Mr. Berwin, that others are more curious than I am. Several times people have been known to be in your house while you were absent, and your mode of life, secretive and strange, does not commend itself to the householders in this neighborhood. If you persist in giving rise to gossip and scandal, some busybody may bring the police on the scene. The police, echoed the old man, now greatly alarmed, as would appear from his shaking voice. Uh, no, 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 that, that will never do. My house is my castle. The police dare not break into it. I am a peaceful and very unfortunate gentleman who wishes to live quietly. All this talk of people being in my house is nonsense. Yet you seemed afraid when I told you of the shadows, said Lucian pointedly. Afraid? <laughs> I am afraid of nothing. Not even of those who are after you, hinted Denzil, recalling the conversation of the previous occasion. Berwin gave a kind of eldritch shriek, and stepped back a pace, as though to place himself on his guard. What, what do you know about such things? he panted. Only as much as you hinted at when I last saw you. Yes, yes, I was not myself on that night. <laughs> the wine was in, and the wit was out. The truth also, it would seem, said Lucian dryly, judging by your agitation then and now. "'I am an unfortunate gentleman,' whimpered Berwin tremulously. "'If you will excuse me, sir, I shall leave you,' said Lucian ceremoniously. "'It seems to be my fate to hold midnight conversations with you in the cold, but I think this one had better be cut short.' "'One moment,' Mr. Berwin exclaimed. 
you have been good enough to place me on my guard as to the talk my quiet course of life is causing pray add to your kindness by coming with me to my house and exploring it from attic to basement you will then see that there are no grounds for scandal and that the shadows you fancy you saw on the blind are not those of real people they can't be those of ghosts at all events replied lucian as i never heard to my knowledge that spirits could cast shadows well come and see for yourself that the house is empty warmly as this invitation was given lucian had some scruples about accepting it to explore an almost unfurnished mansion with a complete stranger and one with an ill reputation at the midnight hour is not an enterprise to be coveted by any man however bold he may be still lucian had ample courage and more curiosity for the adventure as the chance of it stirred up that desire for romance which belongs peculiarly to youth also he was anxious to satisfy himself concerning the blind shadows and curious to learn why berwin inhabited so dismal and mysterious a mansion add to these reasons a keen pleasure in profiting by the occurrence of the unexpected and you will guess that Denzil ended by accepting the strange invitation of Berwin. Being now fully committed to the adventure, he went forward with cool courage and an observant eye to spy out, if possible, the secret upon which hinged these mysteries. As on the former occasion, Berwin inducted his guest into the sitting-room, and here, as previously, a dainty supper was spread. Berwin turned up the lamplight and waved his hand round the luxuriously furnished room, pointing particularly to the space between table and window. "'The figures whose shadows you saw,' said he, "'must have struggled together in this space, so as to be between the lamp and the blind for the performance of their pantomime. But I would have you observe, Mr. Denzil, that there is no disturbance of the furniture to show that such a struggle as you describe took place.' also that the curtains are drawn across the window, and no light could have been thrown on the blind. The curtains were no doubt drawn after I rang the bell, said Lucian, glancing toward the heavy folds of crimson velvet which veiled the window. The curtains, retorted Berwin, stripping off his coat, were drawn by me before I went out. Lucian said nothing, but shook his head doubtfully. Evidently Berwin was trying, for his own ends, to talk him into a belief that his eyes had deceived him, but Denzil was too clear-headed a young man to be so gulled. Berwin's explanations and excuses only confirmed the idea that there was something in the man's life which cut him off from humanity, and which would not bear the light of day. Hitherto Lucian had heard rather than seen Berwin, but now, in the clear light of the lamp, he had an excellent opportunity of observing both the man and his quarters. Berwin was of medium height and lean, with a clean-shaven face, hollow cheeks, and black sunken eyes. His hair was grey and thin, his looks wild and wandering, and the hectic colouring of his face and narrow chest showed that he was far gone in consumption. Even as Lucian looked at him he was shaken by a hollow cough, and when he withdrew his handkerchief from his lips the white linen was spotted with blood. He was in evening dress and looked eminently refined, although worn and haggard in appearance. Denzil noted two peculiar marks about him. The first, a serpentine cicatrix extending on the right cheek from lip almost to ear. The second, the loss of the little finger of the left hand, which was cut off at the first joint. 
As he examined the man, a second and more violent fit of coughing shook him. "'You seem to be very ill,' said Lucian, pitying the feebleness of the poor creature. "'Dying, dying of consumption. One lung gone,' gasped Berwin. "'It will soon be over. The sooner the better.' "'With your health, Mr. Berwin, it is sheer madness to dwell in this rigorous English climate.' "'No doubt,' replied the man, pouring himself out a tumbler of claret. "'But I can't leave England. I can't leave this house, even.' But on the whole, he added, with a satisfied glance around, I am not badly lodged. Lucian agreed with this speech. The room was furnished in the most luxurious manner. The prevailing hue was a deep, warm red. Carpet, walls, hangings, and furniture were all of this cheerful tint. The chairs were deep and softly cushioned. On the walls were several oil paintings by celebrated modern artists. There were dwarf bookcases filled with well-chosen books and on a small bamboo table near the fire lay magazines and papers. The mantelpiece, reaching nearly to the ceiling, was of oak, framing mirrors of beveled glass, and on the numerous shelves, cups, saucers, and vases of old and valuable china were placed. There was also a gilt clock, a handsome sideboard, and a neat smoking-table on which stood a cut-glass spirit-stand and a box of cigars. The whole apartment was furnished with taste and refinement, and Lucian saw that the man who owned such luxurious quarters must be possessed of money, as well as the capability of using it in the most civilized way. Well, "'You have certainly all that the heart of man can desire in the way of material comforts,' said he, looking at the supper-table, which, with its silver and crystal and spotless covering, glittered like a jewel under the brilliant lamplight. My only wonder is that you should furnish one room so finely and leave the others bare. My bedroom and bathroom are yonder, replied Berwin, pointing towards large folding doors draped with velvet curtains and placed opposite to the window. They are as well furnished as this. But how do you know the rest of the house is bare? I can hardly help knowing it, Mr. Berwin. Your contrast of poverty and riches is an open secret in this neighborhood. "'No one has been in this house save yourself, Mr. Denzil.' "'Oh, I, I have said nothing. "'You turned me out so quickly the other night "'that I had no time for observation. "'Beside, I am not in the habit of remarking on matters "'which do not concern me.' "'I beg your pardon,' said Berwin weakly. "'I had no intention of offending you. "'I suppose Mrs. Kebby has been talking.' "'I should think it probable.' "'The skirling Jezebel!' cried Berwin. "'I'll pack her off right away!' "'Are you a Scotchman?' asked Denzil suddenly. "'Why do you ask?' demanded Berwin, without replying. Oh, "'You used an essentially Scotch word, skirling. "'And I used an essentially American phrase, right away,' retorted the man. "'I may be a Scot, I may be a Yankee, but I would remind you—' that my nationality is my own secret. I have no wish to pry into your secrets, said Denzil, rising from the chair in which he had seated himself, and in my turn I would remind you that I am here at your invitation. Oh, don't take offence at a hasty word, said Berwin nervously. I am glad of your company, although I, I seem rather brusque. You must go over the house with me. I see no necessity to do so. 
"'It will set your mind at rest regarding the shadows on the blind.' "'I can trust my eyes,' said Lucian dryly, "'and I am certain that before I met you a man and a woman were in this room.' "'Well,' said Berwin, lighting a small lamp, "'come with me, and I'll prove that you are mistaken.' End of chapter 3